You are listening to audio from Summit Community Church. You can join us Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. on our YouTube channel at SCC Morganton. Thanks for joining us online here for our worship today. If you're watching this broadcast, that means the snow has fallen and prohibited us from coming into the building. So here we are today studying God's Word. We are so excited about our journey through the Gospel of Mark, a gospel that preaches and teaches Jesus as our suffering King. We're taking a deep dive into Mark's Gospel this year. We're so excited about it, we want to make sure we keep rolling through this journey. So today we're going to continue in the Gospel of Mark in our studies today. Mark is all about answering two big questions to his audience and to us. First one is, who is this Jesus? And second is, how are we to respond to this Jesus? Now here's what's happened so far in our journey. John the Baptist has announced Christ's coming. John has been baptizing a baptism of repentance. Christ comes to be baptized. The Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove, proclaiming God the Father. He is well pleased with the Son. Jesus has entered the wilderness, led into the wilderness to be tempted. He's come out of the wilderness victorious through His temptation. He's called His first disciples. He's established His home and ministry headquarters there in Capernaum by the Sea of Galilee. And now He's beginning His ministry. And as He begins, we see Jesus doing ministry with the people. And as the people observe him, they are, as Mark says, both amazed and astonished. And they begin asking these questions. Who is this Jesus? And how are we to respond to him? Now what we're going to look at today in our passage is those different things that make Jesus our Messiah and our Savior and our Lord. Several things that differentiate him as who he is. The first different thing about Jesus is this. Jesus teaches with authority. And when they arrive in town, Jesus immediately enters the synagogue and begins to teach. Now, this was a common practice in their day. The synagogues did not have regular rabbis. They would read from the Old Testament scriptures and bring a message from a local member. When a visiting rabbi would come into town, they were commonly invited to share the message for the day and do the readings. So right here, Jesus is the one asked to read and give the message. Now turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 21. Here's what it says. They went into Capernaum, and right away he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and began to teach. They were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them as the one who had authority and not like the scribes. You see, it was very obvious from the very first word that Jesus spoke that his teaching was different. Now, it wasn't like his teaching style that astonished them, nor his public speaking ability that astonished them. That's not what got their attention. The people were amazed and astonished by the kind of authority that he possessed and claimed in his teaching. That says that they were astonished. In our time today, it means this. It blew their minds at what they were hearing from this man named Jesus. Now, think about it like this. If you're writing a research paper, how do you support your arguments? How do you 
support your claims, what do you do? You reference the scholars that are known experts in the field that you're quoting, that you're trying to give proof of. In other words, you borrow their authority to validate your claims in your writings. Now, this would have been the scribes. When they said not like the scribes, the scribes were people who had no authority of their own, so they were always relying on the authority of Moses and the interpretations of a particular rabbinical tradition. But here comes Jesus. Jesus does not need footnotes. He doesn't need someone else to substantiate his claims. He doesn't need to borrow somebody else's authority to boost his credibility. Jesus teaches, according to his own divine authority, the authority of God himself, because he is God in the flesh. The fact that Jesus spoke with such wisdom and authority on his own totally blew their minds. Now that word authority, Mark uses, it literally means out of the original stuff. It comes from the root word of author. It means that Jesus taught about life with original rather than borrowed authority from others. These listeners sensed somehow that he was explaining the story of their lives as the author, the very author of their lives, and it left them dumbfounded. Now, think about how this works for you and I, for us. When Jesus speaks to us, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the inspiration of His infallible and errant Word, Jesus is speaking with authority into our lives. We should be amazed and we should be astonished and truly respond in obedience when He speaks into our lives with that kind of authority. Now, the second thing that's different about Jesus is this. Jesus has authority over evil spirits. Look at verse 23. Just then a man in the synagogue with unclean spirit came in the synagogue. He cried out, What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit threw him into a convulsions and shouted with a loud voice and came out of him. They were all amazed. So they began to ask each other, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the evil, unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, the news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. Now, here they are in the synagogue, worshiping. Right in the middle of the sermon, in walks a man who is, is demon-possessed, has an unclean spirit, as Mark says. But Christ, Jesus does not flinch when he calls out the evil spirit within the man. See, Jesus rebukes the spirit and commands it to come out of him. Jesus speaks to it with authority, and this authority again blows their minds. His authority in teaching and authority of evil spirits literally blows their minds. I can't say it any other way. It blows their minds. As it says in verse 27 again, they were all amazed, and they began to ask themselves, who is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Now, would you agree this was a rather eventful day in worship? Absolutely. None like it. What would you do after an event experience like this? Question is, what did Jesus do? Well, he simply leaves and continues his ministry, which is the next different thing about Jesus. Jesus, we see next, has authority over sickness. Look at verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went into Simon and Andrew's house with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law was lying in the bed with a fever. They told him about her at once. 
So she, he went to her, took her by the hand, and raised her up. The fever left her, and she began to serve them. Now what happens here is not just a claim of authority, but is clear proof and exercise of Jesus' authority. He shows He has real power over sickness. With just a touch of His hand, and the fever is healed. There's no incantation. There's no ritual. Jesus has no Tylenol in His hands, no Advil, no Aleve. He simply takes her by the hand, raises her up, and as soon as she's on her feet, the fever is immediately gone. It's just a touch of His hand, and the fever is gone. And it wasn't just fever that Christ had authority over. Look at what happens next. His fame has been spreading. A word gets out that Jesus is in the house. And here comes the entire town to the door of the house. Look at verse 32. When evening came after the sun had set, they brought to him all those who were sick and demon-possessed. The whole town was assembled at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and drove out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Now Jesus begins showing he has authority to say to all sickness, to all disease, and evil spirits, leave. And it does because it has no other choice. When Jesus says leave, it has to go. Now for you and I, this is the privilege that we share when we pray for one another. When you share what's going on in your life, I share about my life, and we pray about this together. When we pray, we're praying to the one who has all authority. Jesus has all authority over everything in our lives. That is our privilege in prayer. Christ proves this. He teaches with authority. He has authority over evil spirits. He has authority over sickness. Now after a day like this, you can only imagine how exhausted Jesus must have been. But right after this, we see something else that is different about Jesus. What sets Him apart? See, Jesus prioritizes spending time with God the Father. Look at verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out and made his way to a deserted place. And there he was praying. Simon and his companions searched for him, and when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Now Jesus, even in the midst of being so exhausted, so tired, among such stress, he prioritizes time alone with God the Father over everything else in his day. He rises early while it's still dark and finds a desolate place to spend time with his Father. Question, do you share this priority? Is Jesus' priority your priority? I'm guilty of this. You probably are too. And so often we'll say, I'm just so busy. Well, I think Jesus is pretty busy too, wouldn't you say? Let's face it. None of us have lines of people waiting outside our door every morning for us to heal their diseases and cast out demons. Yet Jesus knew that the most important time in His day was time alone with the Father. What set Jesus apart was different. He prioritized time with His Father. The next thing that was different about Jesus is this. Jesus prioritizes the gospel over everything else. See, Simon and the disciples come searching for Jesus. And they find him and they say, Jesus, we have work to do. The people are back for healing and deliverance. They don't get it. 
But look at Jesus' response. Verse 38, he says, He said to them, Let's go on to the neighboring villages so that I may preach there too. This is why I came. That verse needs to be highlighted, circled, underscored, everything in your Bible because it speaks to Jesus' priority. And this must be our priority too. He says, I must go to neighboring villages and preach because that is why I came. You see, there were many other people who were sick. Noted. And Jesus knows this, but he says, you know, Jesus says, I know this, but it's time to go. I need to go to some other villages to preach because that is why I came. This was not Jesus saying, I don't care about those who are sick and need healing. He was just putting into perspective all that he came to do. Now, the story goes that they do leave Capernaum for other places in Galilee, and Jesus kept preaching. He kept driving out demons and healing. Verse 39, it says, He went into all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Which does set the stage for the next thing that's different about Jesus. Jesus heals and enters our pain. Verse 40, look what happens here in a synagogue moment. Then a man with leprosy came to him and on his knees begged him, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Move with compassion. Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I am willing, he told him, be made clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Here's another experience in the synagogue. Look what happens. An actual leper came to Jesus in the synagogue. Now, leprosy is a general term in the Bible for many kind of skin diseases. But the most extreme form of leprosy attacks the nervous system, causes infection to set in, tissue degenerates, and limbs actually do fall off. But leprosy was more than just a disease that needed to be healed. As bad as a disease as it was, do you notice the word healed is not used at all in this passage? The leper does not ask Jesus to be healed. The Bible doesn't even say he was healed. The leper comes begging and says what? Look at verse 40 again. It says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He says clean, not healed. Clean is the word used repeatedly in every verse in this passage here. If you were a leper, you were considered unclean. See, leprosy was more than just a physical condition. Leprosy was a dreadful, contagious disease. As we see in Leviticus in the Old Testament, verse, chapters 13 and 14, with leprosy, you lived in shame. You lived alone. You had to stay far away from everyone else. And if for some reason someone got near to you, you were required to yell out, Unclean! Unclean! Warning them that you were in their presence. You were seen as repugnant. You were seen as repulsive and seen as a danger to others. And we get to where... They were afraid to be near you, and before long, you were afraid to be near them. Lepers were looked upon as the living dead. Lepers were outcasts. If you were a leper, you could not touch or even be close to your family, to your friends, or anyone else, ever. You couldn't work with others. You couldn't have fun with others. You could not even worship with others. You were totally alone and totally isolated. You were alone, afraid, ashamed, 
dirty, unclean, and there was absolutely nothing you could do to change any of that. Lepers were indeed the living dead. You can only imagine the physical, social, mental, emotional, and even spiritual struggle a leper faced. That's why the book of Isaiah actually says leprosy becomes a symbol of sin itself. Leprosy is seen as depicting the picture of sin in our lives. So this leper actually breaks through all this stigma, and he comes to Jesus. Now that is shocking because, as I said, if you have leprosy, you don't come up to anybody. You stay away from everybody, but not this man and not this day. Just imagine a scene as this man walks through the crowds, making his way to Jesus. He's most likely shouting, unclean, unclean, right here in the synagogue. And the people start panicking. The people begin parting like the Red Sea getting away from him. They begin pulling their kids away and almost knocking each other down to get away from him. Probably a picture of chaos. But he comes straight up to Jesus, who did not move one inch. He falls on his knees and begs Jesus, saying, if you will. Notice he didn't say if you're able. This leprous man knows Jesus is able because that's why he came to begin with. The question is, is he willing to make him clean? Now at this point, the crowd is probably paused in stunned silence, just waiting to see what will Jesus do with this man. Because it was so countercultural and so different than what anything had ever been done before. What would he do? Look at verse 41. It says, Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I am willing, he told him, be made clean. Here it says that Jesus was moved with compassion. But in other translations, it says Jesus was indignant or angry. Now those sound like two different emotions, do they not? Is it pity and compassion or indignance and anger? And now we know from other places Christ experienced all these emotions. But what seems to be very different and disconnected are really very similar and very much connected. Let me explain why. When you love someone, and you see them hurting, and you see them suffering, your heart aches for them. But at the exact same time you're hurting with them, there's compassion. You also hate, you're angry at whatever it is in this fallen world that has led to their hurt and their pain. Now the difference is, between us and Jesus, is when we're in this position, we feel helpless. We want to heal it and take it away, but we simply can't. But Jesus is able, and He is willing to do something about it. You see, instead of turning away from this man like everyone else did, Jesus turns towards him. And Jesus did not just speak like He did in other miracle stories. Christ could have spoken one word, and He would have been healed on the spot. But Jesus does not speak a word. 
What happens? Instead, he's moved with compassion. He stretches out his hand towards the leper. The law says you do not touch lepers. To touch a leper would mean you would become unclean yourself. To touch a leper would be to join a leper in his uncleanness and shame. But the beauty of this passage is that Jesus stretched out his hand and he touched the leper. You can just imagine the crowd gasping in horror at the teacher who has now defiled himself. This was a touch this man had not felt or experienced in who knows how long. You can just imagine the look in his eyes, the feeling in his heart, the overwhelming emotion that most likely consumed him as he was, has finally experienced human touch and contact again. Not only touch and contact, but he's also healed. What does it say here? In the latter part of verse 41, it says this, Christ said, be made clean. Immediately, verse 42, the leprosy left him and he was made clean. So what did that look like? Shriveled up and stained skin suddenly made clean and white, pure. Shame instantly removed. Joy and hope immediately restored. For the first time in a long time, that man realizes he does not have to yell at others to stay away from him. For the first time in a long time, he has been given and reciprocated human touch. For the first time in a long time, he's not alone or afraid. He sees that friend. He sees his spouse. He sees that child. He's actually able to give them a hug. Jesus has just changed everything. Who else can remove dirt and shame and fear and loneliness in a moment? Only Jesus can do this. You know, but as awesome as this miracle of healing is, it wasn't the primary purpose for Jesus coming. It points to something bigger and greater than even this. The primary purpose for Jesus' coming was to proclaim the good news of the gospel for those there in his midst and even all of us over 2,000 years later. Do you ever feel unclean or dirty because of something you've done? Do you ever feel unclean or dirty because of something someone has done to you? Do you ever struggle with guilt over something you have done? Do you ever struggle with guilt over something someone has done to you? How about shame? Do you ever struggle with shame because of what you've done or what somebody else has done to you? To all of us who, like this leper, feel like we have to say unclean, unclean, Jesus can and will make us clean. He'll remove the guilt, remove the shame, and restore what has been lost. Here's what Jesus says. To all who are guilty, Jesus says, I have come to declare you innocent. To all who are ashamed, Jesus says, I've come to give you honor. To all who are afraid and alone, Jesus says, I have come to cast out your fears of this world, and I will never, ever forsake you in this world. See, Jesus has come saying, I love you, and I hate sin and evil that brings suffering that you're all too familiar with. The story of the leper points us to a much bigger and greater story. This last thing that makes Jesus so different and makes him our Savior, 
our Messiah and our Lord is this. Jesus restores what is lost and graciously gives what we need. You see, to this leper who was humble and bold enough to come to Jesus, Jesus stretched out his hand, took the man's uncleanness upon himself to make him clean in a much greater way in the ultimate purpose for why he came. For me and you, that's a story for us. This leper walks in dirty, ashamed, oppressed, pushed down, longing for a touch. And Jesus touches him. Jesus brings the uncleanness upon himself, enters into his pain. For you and I, what does that mean? Jesus says, in your sin, in my sin, Jesus comes and he extends his touch. He enters into our pain, enters into our suffering, takes our sin upon him on the cross to pay our debt on the cross for our sin, therefore making us clean. He stretched out his hands on a cross and took all the sin and uncleanness of those who trust in him upon himself and paid the complete price for the gospel. I've got a picture in my office. It's a picture of a hand extended like this, just a hand from here out with a nail stuck right here. It's an artist's rendition of Jesus hanging on the cross from the side. And when you look at that hand, when I see that hand, I see that Jesus is stretching out his hand to me. He's stretching out his hand to you, saying, let me touch you in your pain. Let me touch you in your suffering. Let me touch you in your sin because I want to redeem you. I want to reclaim what you've lost. I want to restore you. I want to bring healing in your life. He died so that all who hum are humble and bold enough to believe in him can trust in him and, his, and live and be made completely clean. That is the gospel. The cleansing and healing of the leper is an amazing miracle in itself. But again, it points to something greater and bigger. That physical healing points us to a spiritual reality and healing. It points us to the gospel and how in our sinful uncleanness, we need the healing of God's grace and mercy through the death of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And when we respond to him in humility, admitting that we need his payment for our sin, and we need him as our Savior, he responds. Have you come to him in humility? Have you come to him admitting your need for his payment for your sin in your place on the cross? Have you admitted that you need him as your Savior and Lord? If not, please do so today. Because when you do, here's what happens. He forgives, he cleanses, he restores, and he heals. He gives eternal life to those who trust in him and put their faith in him through his death on the cross in your place for your sin. Now, have you placed your faith in Jesus? Have you put your faith in him who died in your place on the cross for your sin? Mark's two big questions. Who is this Jesus? He is Savior. He is Lord. He is Messiah. Because we see in Scripture, he teaches with authority. 
He comes into my life and yours and speaks with authority through his inspired, inerrant, infallible word through the power of the Holy Spirit. He has power over sickness and evil spirits. He prioritizes time with the Father. He says a bigger purpose is about the gospel and the good news of, G of coming to save us from our sin. That is the purpose of why he's come. This is our Jesus. This is Jesus. He gives and restores to us what we graciously and mercifully need. That's this Jesus. And how are we to respond to him? In faith, we're to repent of our sin. We're to turn to him for the healing that we need and believing in him as a savior that we desperately want and need. Today, is that you? When you read this passage and see this, do you realize that you're in need of a Savior? You're in need of a Lord. You're in need of a Messiah. Has God's Word spoken to you? Is there something in your life where you're struggling? Whatever that is, our prayer is you will turn it over to Him today. Being online, I want to pray with you right now in those decisions, any decision you might have made or are making today. So pray with me. Father in heaven, I pray this day you would open our eyes fresh to your word. Open our hearts to the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. And God, as you speak, may we see you in a way we've never seen you before. May we feel you in a way we've never felt you before. May we experience you in a way we've never experienced you before. Knowing you came to live the life you lived, to die the death you died, to rise from the grave, to ascend back to the Father, to be our Savior and our Lord. And when we humbly come before you, confessing our sin, repenting of our sin, you do restore, you revive, and you heal. Father, when we ask you to be our Savior and our Lord, you honor that. You come into our lives, you change us. May we experience change today. May we admit that we're a sinner. May we admit we need, have needs. We need you. May we say we believe and truly believe with all our believing means putting it into action that we confess you as Lord and Savior and commit our hearts and lives to you. May that be us today, we pray. So Father, be with us now as we solidify our decisions. We love you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this week's sermon. For more information about Summit Community Church, please check out our website at summitchurch.me or on social media on Facebook or Instagram at SCC Morganton.